Well, hey, cousins, you are listening to Revolutionary Hood Rat with Kim Young of Dope Black Social Worker, and welcome back. We got us another episode, and it's right on time, right? Back on this every other week situation. Um, I'm really grateful that y'all decided to tune in for the episode that we have this week. We do not have any revolutionary news or Earth is Ghetto or Tales from the Trap because we got us a guest. Now, before I introduce the guest, I first want to um, acknowledge my own grief that I'm dealing with, as well as dedicate this episode to my one, my only, my homie, my dog, literally, Tubbs, Big Tubbs. Um, unfortunately had to put him to sleep unexpectedly this week. And I just want to shout out my big dog for life. You know, that's my homie. Anybody who knows me in life or just has seen, you know, me on the internet, you know, me and Beagles, we, we, we go hard the long way. Like them, the homies, if I could one day have me a little Beagle sanctuary, I would. And I also got to make some space when, you know, as I move through my grief to even tell my stories of being a black woman owning a beagle, because I didn't know how much white folks really love beagles, especially older white men, child in the South until I got me a beagle. But that's a conversation and stories for a different day. This week, however, I want to go ahead and introduce the guest that we have joining us on this episode of Revolutionary Hood Rat. Cassie Walker is a black, queer, licensed clinical social worker, therapist, activist, speaker, gamer, writer, and podcaster. They are a liberatory and decolonial healer that takes a decolonial liberatory approach to discussing identity, trauma, mental wellness, and justice to address how the legacies of slavery and other atrocities and oppressions continue to ripple into current events and experiences. And they can also write their ass off if you haven't picked up on that already. <laughs> they present a diverse array of intersectional topics related to race, gender, sexuality, BDSM, and kink mental health and liberation. Cassie provides therapy to adults, relationships, and groups. They specialize in the intersections of trauma, identity, and mental wellness. Their podcast, Woke Mental Wellness, works to help provide information about mental wellness for Black queer, for Black LGBTQIA plus people, and those interested in helping Black queer communities. Cassie is the founder of Intersection Center for Complex Healing, LLC. That is their uh, private practice with the hopes of one day becoming a full black queer wellness center. So through providing therapy, education and facilitating, Cassie hopes to help people open themselves up and the organizations to change that improves personal wellness and institutional inclusion. Most importantly, y'all, Cassie is a badass. And I was introduced to Cassie through Twitter, right? Like the internet be doing its big one when we allow it to. We can really meet some really dope people. But I met Cassie through Twitter and then started doing the Stop ASWB organizing work with Cassie along with some other folks. I consider Cassie to be a comrade in this work. This conversation that we had was so amazing, especially for those who are really interested in the advocacy work that is occurring to put it in to ASWB exams as it relates to social worker licensure across this country and think about more equitable ways of approaching this licensure process. And so I'm going to stop talking so that y'all can get into this conversation that me and Cassie had because it was fun. It was so much fun. And I'm so grateful for their presence, their voice, their work, and not just all the things that they do, but like everything that they are. They are a phenomenal person. Y'all check out this conversation that we had. It's a good one. Cassie. 
it's a long time coming. Um, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited to be able to have this conversation with you. And I'm not just saying that shit just to be saying it. I'm saying it because there's a lot that you do that folks don't know you do. There's also a lot that I believe you care about and how you show up in this world as a black person. It is um, really admirable to me and how um, I'm really grateful to have found some level of community with you. And so I just want to thank you for joining me in this space. Yeah, I want to thank you for having me because uh, you live up to your name. You're super dope. And I'm so <laughs> glad that we got to meet because um, so we have mutual Goran Brothers people in common. Okay, okay. And so and so like it was great to finally meet you because oh, I, I don't it. have my hat on right now, but oh, like I, I have uh I have what do I have? Three Goran brothers yeah, hats yeah, yeah. right now. So yeah. yeah, listen, and they've been the OG hat makers for me at least. I've been a little disappointed lately because they've been focusing a lot on that farm collection with like the, the I know. hats. And like they had like the acid connection collection whenever I was broke and I couldn't get it. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Like, I need me a good fedora back. So if anybody from Goran Bros is listening, like drop another wide brim fedora line, please. We miss you. We miss you. You know um, what I have what so have? back back when they still had a shop in chicago mm -hmm. i got my first ever one of their hats and it was back when they were still making quote unquote women's hats ah. so i have one of those shaved off cloches so the green ones with the sides and the the person at the store was like yeah this style is the kind that they had that came out of the west because the women would cut the sides off of the hat so they could hold the shotguns and so I, hey. I would like hey. those because <laughs> I have a green one and I want more hey. because I look damn good in those. <laughs> hey, and the story alone will make you want to run the whole collection down. I love that. Yes. Um, Cassie, let's jump into this because I've actually never heard this story and I'm excited to be able to hear it. Of course, we're going to talk about social work shit. I really yeah. want to get into your pathway um, into this work. And I'm also just going to mention, I saw on Twitter that you went to Janelle Monet and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But first, but first, um, please share. How did you get into this work? <laughs> spite. So much spite. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> so whenever I was um, much younger, I was always like, I have always had the, ambitions of both gods and devils mm. like we're talking the first time i ever got a detention one wasn't my fault it was a fuck ass white girl wait cussing level here where do what you do cool it because i not my fault i was set up and so but we're talking ambition to the tune of fourth grade first ever detention crying and hyperventilating because kids who get into harvard don't get detentions ah uh, yeah so it's been yeah. real yeah. and and so we went through your standard like doctor lawyer all that kind of stuff yeah. 
at one point I was like, I'm gonna be in the military. I'm gonna be one of the first. Yeah, I thought for a while, <laughs> for a while, especially in like high school and stuff, I thought I was gonna be a whole G man. I thought I was gonna be like CIA, like military, um, all this stuff because I really was interested in horrible people. Mm. And I was, and so like, that was my doorway into psychology was like, I loved Silence of the Lambs. I loved horror movies. I loved history. I like ran out in my elementary middle school library. I ran out of books to read um, because I like read so much, even the nonfiction, um, arguably some stuff I shouldn't have been reading. I don't know why (laughs) it was in an elementary middle school library. Well, like Flubber, remember they tried to take Flubber out? no i'm i'm talking i'm talking like i think i picked up the book black like me in sixth grade and like i didn't touch that one till high school so shout out to you yeah well i shouldn't have (laughs) i hated it i Ah. in high school it was on the book list and i actually got in a knockdown drag out fight like well verbal very aggressive verbal argument that ended with me getting kicked out of class and my teacher being told that she better pray my parents don't sue. Oh, you've been um, about this life. Come on now. I grew up in rural central Illinois ah. where my family for the majority of my schooling were the only ones of any color mm. in the district. Mm. So we had problems. And yeah. so growing up, there was problems, school, home, all of it. And I was into a lot of things. But the thing that really came down to was at first I thought like military and FBI and CIA was like, I want to I, I I'm interested in horrible people and what they do. And I want to help people. That's how you do that. Right. Yeah. And then I grew up <laughs> a cab. Um, (laughs) and I was like, oh, there's like this, like psychology is actually like a very broad thing. Mm -hmm. So went to U Chicago, um, (laughs) the fuckery continued. Is that the program that has, is that the Jane Addams program? I get confused with y'all. No, 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 no. So University of Chicago is in Hyde Park. Um, and it, that was undergrad. I again thought I was going to do a PhD. Mm -hmm. Academia is toxic. I refuse. Um, and so did that whole thing. Didn't work out, worked. And I was, I, I did research and things, speaking of cats, um, I did research and things and still academia was just not for me. And so it wasn't because you Chicago doesn't do. So I had a double major because mm-hmm. the psychology department doesn't do mental health at you chicago yeah it's a whole it's an age-long beef that for some reason is still going it makes no sense but so i double majored and then someone was like i i did research after college um it went horribly like it went well because i did the project so well it went horribly Mm -hmm. because i got screwed over Mm. um i was told that 
if I did well, there would be a job for me. I knocked out the pro the, the recruitment and the program in record time, which essentially just meant um, I was losing my job faster, mm. uh, which was horrible. But you were doing research, you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, but the thing I liked about that, because I had finally gotten into an actual like psychiatry lab. And the thing I liked about it was I was doing research on helping people with severe uh mental illness mm -hmm. um get jobs oh, um, okay. and, and do like job train uh like uh interview training and uh using a computer system in part to help do that to see if the computer system if we could make it as good as in-person coaching mm -hmm. um and so that's the project i worked on um it was originally called molly i don't know what it's called now uh but it is actually excuse me it is actually in use Mm. But what I loved about it was working with people. Yeah. And so then some some folks I knew were like, well, you should do direct practice. And I was like, but I only have a bachelor's. And they're like, you can do direct practice. So I got a job doing community mental health. Mm. And <laughs> we all <laughs> where we all started. <laughs> um and I really liked it. There were some rough spots. I definitely had some very intense um, situations, um, quite literally saving some lives, quite literally being attacked mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. harassed and things. But I overall, for the most part, really loved it. And then I hit the ceiling mm -hmm. yeah. of what a bachelor's can do for you. Yeah. And I was all, I was also starting to feel the burnout a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I went back to school for social work because I did my research. I, I talked to people and it was the most um, versatile uh, therapeutic degree you can get. Yep. I was like, dope. If like, if I want out, I can get out and I won't mm -hmm. have to go back to school perfection <laughs> that's so smart i didn't even think about it that way that's it why i went through, yeah you just dropped the gym oh yeah that is whenever i mentor people and they're like i want to be a therapist i'm gonna get my side ear i'm gonna get my i'm like that. hold on hold on hold on hold on pause what percent of likelihood do you feel like you will be a therapist for the rest of your life and most people know they've seen yeah. the numbers they've seen the burnout they've seen the problems they've seen their own therapists leave their their yep. family members etc and so i'm like get a social work degree i didn't even think about that like it is that one-stop shop you don't well, have to go back <laughs> and and i am proof of that because i now work in so I'm still a therapist, mm -hmm. but I am also a consultant. I do work in games. I have yeah. helped write some games at this point that are um, forthcoming um, and doing all kinds of stuff with tech companies and stuff. Um, and I just MSW, BA and MSW. And so that's how I got into social work was it was it was a very calculated move to go back for social work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, wow. that's, that's how I got into this is like, I was around a lot of horrible people. I was interested in horrible people and why yeah. people do what they do. And, um, 
now I'm here. <laughs> Listen, and I am yet I am yet talking to another person who has shared their story about like how they got into their work, and it really is another one of those stories where it was where it's not like I always dreamed of becoming a social worker, right? Like yeah, yeah. it seems like the people that I continue to attract in my my circle or in my life are the ones that are like I really didn't want to do this shit in the first place. Um, yeah, like, well, because it's the fallback to the fallback to the fallback, yeah, right? Like, yeah. you, like so, and and I think that is a huge difference, and I think that's also part of like what I see trying to fight for social work to like fulfill yeah. the promise of the premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is people who are like social workers are the best mm -mm. are also the same people <laughs> that are doing a bunch of oppressive, yeah. Shit. shit yeah absolutely absolutely so you mentioned um you are still in direct practice but you're also doing these beautiful and amazing dope things i am not in direct practice and i haven't been for a couple of years now since 2019 so i do love to be able to talk to folks about like their practice areas but then also that other stuff that you can do with your degree, with your life, with your license that falls into other fields and other opportunities. So like for you, what are some of your areas of practice or interest or where you kind of feel that you show up your most authentic self and best self? And I'm framing that question to also share. I just put on Twitter that I don't really trust therapists that say they work with ages zero to 100 because what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing I... who are you what are you doing so that's why i'm asking specifically like your practice areas yeah. like how does that show yeah. up for so you? i'm i'm slightly less sketchy i'm still totally untrustworthy and gonna red flag it by saying <laughs> i i generally will work with anyone who's above 18 um but generally speaking my clients tend to be um Black, Indigenous, South Asian, Latina, um, or Asian people who are typically also queer um, and have are recognizing the need to heal their trauma between mm -hmm. between about at this point at this point most of my clientele is somewhere between um, about your mid twenties to um, your late forties. Okay. Um, is is my typical client age range at the moment i've i have done i have the ability to see any age because i did i did do um particularly in grad school because it was like one of the best paying jobs i could find um i did early start so i worked okay, i did work um age uh zero to three yeah. Yeah. and their families and so i did do that for a bit um and i you know, working community mental health, I have gone through the entire process of whether disease or because people are elderly, helping people um, get their wills together, helping people find hospice, in-home care, all that kind of stuff. So like, I have the ability, but yes, I have a preference for like adults. I will flex down to like your college age, mm -hmm. um, like, young adults because they can be cool to work with as well but in general like adults 18 to um 18 to like 50s is yeah. is my like favorites and trauma is um my specialty specifically complex trauma mm -hmm. i am i mean 
in the United States, we don't have a complex trauma diagnosis. So acute trauma is a thing I'm trained in and can definitely help with. But my passion is long-term like healing therapy, Mm. the kind of therapy that sees a person holistically, including their community and helping to build community as part of therapy. Let's talk about that for a little bit though. Okay. Because like, um, I think that framework and that approach is so critical and you have this knowledge base that I don't necessarily have. And there might be folks who listen to this episode that they don't have, but even like the, the queer Afrocentric framework, as well as your radical and liberatory approaches to your work, how are you fusing that stuff into your practice with the folks you're in service to? Trial and error. It's so like I am deeply honored to be able to have access to, um, you know, Shauna Marie Brown um, mm-hmm. and all all kinds of other um, IDHA New York uh, puts on amazing trainings as well from liberatory and decolonial praxis. Um, and I have found all kinds of other things just pop up randomly um, from that kind of practice. And so I feel really glad to have found that because there was a lot of not that in yeah. my training as well. Any of that. I was um, for me, there was yeah. none of that in my yeah. formal training. Yeah, my formal training and then even some of the training I did after was it was that feeling of oh my god i'm gonna be i'm gonna belong here but it was a bunch of white people and it was really again not fulfilling the promise of the premise and so using these things is and learning them at the same time and doing my own personal work at the same time is one of those things where i look back at some of the stuff i did in in like my internships and stuff that I would never do today. I was messing people up. I know I was messing people up. Yeah, right. (laughs) But then there's also, it's also great though, because I, the seeds of things were there. So my integration of tabletop role-playing games and therapy, Mm. I was able to start, start seeding that and figuring it out Mm -hmm. in my second year internship, Mm. right? Um, because I had, I actually had a pretty good second year internship. And so I had that freedom to start playing with it. And I had a client that was into it. And so like, it's, it's some give and take, but I think the biggest thing that I have really started doing and insisting on is insisting that part of my work with my clients include how they are building their like rooted village community. Mm. how they are finding and and building their ability and capacity to be with people and find their people people they feel like they can be you know supported by and support those people in return and be accountable to and people they feel will be accountable to them in return and having that mutuality and reciprocity I feel like especially working with various complex traumas, a lot, obviously racialized systemic Mm -hmm. trauma and childhood, you know, developmental trauma and things. That's 
something that I'm much more careful about, like, as we're getting towards, like, a point where people might be ready to go to to leave. Mm -hmm. I now remember to ask the question, do you feel like you have community to support you? And if the answer is Ooh. no, we have more work to do. Oh, you might as you might have switched the game up with that because right, like when our when we're in our programs and we might be going through supervision or early on in our career or settled into our careers, we get so conditioned to think about that therapeutic relationship is to get the person to turn inward, to th look for all the things within, right? Which is cool. However, when we're working with certain demographics and populations, in particular like black and brown folks, we're communal in nature. Like nothing about us is individualistic. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like if we're not inviting it into our practice or into our spaces to help them rethink or think about like, how are you creating community? What is that looking like for you? Because like to find community is also to find a, a soft place to land. And it's also um, a place to really find collective liberation because you can really find liberation and community once you can get that for yourself. So like that is phenomenal. I love that. I love that. Um so transition us a bit because I want to definitely make sure we take some time to talk about the Association of Social Work Boards. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really how you and I got connected, yeah. right? It was like the work would stop ASWB. Um, and so if folks are unfamiliar, it's been over a year now, right? The the yeah. Data it was a year. It, the year anniversary was August 5th. August. Yeah. Yep. The data report came out in August and the report essentially, you know, listed all the things that we knew about the social work board exams. And so, you know, I'm referencing the license, the generalist exam, the clinical exam, the bachelor's level exam, all of the exams that they administer. The report shared what we knew. Um, it's classes, ableist, racist, it's all the things um, that is making it incredibly difficult for folks like us to be reflected in this field, to be licensed and credentialed. It's keeping us from gaining access to certain jobs. It's keeping us in low, low wage jobs. Um, and it's also making this field to what you keep saying, like not live up to its promise and potential. Like it's becoming incredibly elitist in classes to be able to identify as a social worker. Yo. Um, and so I want to do like one year reflections. It's been a year, Cassie. Yeah. What was that year like for you? Oh, not good. Yeah. It's been shitty, but I won. So this, <laughs> this is a pin from the governor's office. Mm. This pin was part of the group of pens that the governor used during the signing of our bill. Mm. Because Illinois, <laughs> because I'm a fucking problem. <laughs> you Don't are a fucking problem. Off. I love it. Um back on your name. Tell us, tell us how you won. So um we in Illinois passed passed a bill. It is a starting step. Yeah. Um, ASWB did a lot of hard work, and so they they still got a little bit of what they wanted, which was to protect some of their bag, some of their money. Mm -hmm. um, so you still have to take the test at least once. However, now 
in Illinois. There is no taking the test over and 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 possibly never passing it. Take it once. You can take it as many times as you like. However, if you're, I don't know, broke, um, after another two years of supervised work, you can get your license, your Mm. clinical clinical license. license your your terminal license and there is no and there is no test for your lsw in illinois so illinois at the moment is the um only state um in the u.s where you can get your clinicals without a test yeah or without passing passing the test test, yeah once but um yeah, so not quite what we wanted, mm-hmm. but we we get we're gonna get another go at, uh, at it in a couple of years when our entire licensure statute comes up for debate again. Mm. So um, if if everything goes well with this, we will have an entire body of social workers, yeah. clinical social workers who have been licensed without passing this test to prove that we don't need it at all. Mm. that's my goal Mm. and other states are um you know looking at illinois and being Mm like oh maybe we can do this and you know god i hope so because these tests they don't do it's it's the definition and this is what's been so hard about this year um is it's like constant gaslighting yeah and because i can i mean i think the the stop aswb um research archive that we have has um i think like hundreds of articles in it right now of just proof positive that this stuff has does not and has never Never worked worked. the way they they say it works and that's true not just of social work but it's true of the e triple p it's true of the of the um marriage and family therapists Mm -hmm. and so i hope more people look at this and are like oh we can do this we can totally do this and i hope i hope we do and i hope illinois i hope this is the first step i hope this is the first step because um the people who are for this test shouldn't have licenses if the way that they attacked myself and um the legislators uh proposing this bill yeah is any proof um I have uh, PowerPoints that were created that um, misgender me and basically call me stupid. Mm. And these presentations and these letters were sent all over the state, not just to legislators, but to fellow social workers. And so there are people who don't know me and that is their only reference for me now. And so my professional reputation has been uh, completely fucked with yeah um across the entire state well country at this point um and so it's one of those things of like being treated that way by people who are supposed to be i mean the main 
one of the main aggressors of all of this is the president of the um latino or the l SWO, Latino Social Work Organization. Wow. And um, the the leaders of the organization were very staunchly, they work directly with ASWB. Um, And they very staunchly were against our efforts. They pulled a lot of, well, you didn't ask us. And so um, it it was very petty and very childish and very damaging. I felt so unsafe after some meetings Mm. um, because of how um, just just deeply inappropriate and misogynistic the conversations were and the fact that this person has a clinical license and like teaches students. Other people, yeah. Is, you know, it it goes to show, it it just really shows like these, these tests aren't, aren't protecting people because people like that are professors. Hmm. Hmm. You, you look, you shared so much and a lot of things are flowing through my head. Um, one of the first things that's coming up is like, I'm pissed off and I have a lot of rage that you went through that. Right. And um, the, I think I believe the foundation of that rage is because it's always like, it's always our bodies. Like it's always, us like my perception my experience it's like it's always a black body that's on the line for people <laughs> and, and i i think i think that like i think that's what's so frustrating is the particularly in illinois the way things went down was so weird and shady and and just unnecessary there was a lot of ego and having national organizations of like black social workers put out letters saying get rid of the test but then having like local chicago chapter sign against getting rid of the test and backing aswb and having it be not because they are in disagreement with the need to do something but because they weren't able to put their name on it <laughs> and what i i oh yes the I'm amount not shocked for goddamn the amount of prominent quote unquote social work leaders in illinois that with their i mean to their credit they said it with their whole chest and put their name on it. Yeah. But who were so willing to not look into things and just say, well, we weren't at the beginning of this, so we're going to destroy it. Mm. Because um I was I was working, you know, I am not a one mer- one person team. Absolutely, absolutely. And so some of the folks I was working with, they were able to get the Illinois chapter of NASW on board, which was huge. That's huge. But also, as we all know, and I don't I'm not a member and they all know how I feel about NASW. So yeah. NASW Illinois, um, Thank you all for your support. Do keep doing better. Yeah. <laughs> like, because part of the problem is that because NESW did back this particular grassroots effort, 
what happened is that these organizations of black and and latina social workers then were like oh nasw is involved so fuck you mm. yeah nasw didn't invite us to the table so clearly they're trying to sh trying to shun us yeah and so we're going to take it as a personal affront and i'm like listen fam so we were in this together like what the hell is going on <laughs> you're a professor you are arguing against your students ever being licensed uh tell them how how do you think it looks because also foia requests are great yes, and are. so i have i think it was like uh 109 or 99 pages or something of communications to the governor trying um not all some of them were of course for us but i also have a bunch of letters of very prominent professors of social work in illinois who are straight up arguing that if you can't pass the test, you shouldn't be a social worker. And I'm like, so then why are you have a job? Oh my goodness. You're arguing that you are bad at your job and thus we need a test to catch the people you didn't teach. Yeah, and it's like even like going even further, folks, continue to forget that we didn't always have a national exam. Like, I, I think they might be forgetting that very, and it's not even that far ago in history. We didn't even used to have licensure. We didn't, exactly. And so even when you have some of these folks who have been in this field for a number of years now, decades at this point, I had so many, I can think of so many professors when I was in grad school that didn't even take the exam. Like they were grandfathered in or whatever that term is into it's licensure yeah. yeah they were grandfathered into license they did not even take the goddamn test mm -hmm. and so like when people continue to have the argument of like well we need the test we did not we did not always have the test it was not always here what happened to the imagination like what happened to our radical beliefs and imagination like it doesn't have to be this way it shouldn't be this yeah. way absolutely and and that's my thing and that gets into some of the other work i do is like oh man get please play some games people please, <laughs> please go go write a short story go go find go touch some grass like do something please like go stare at some clouds like i need people to Ooh, have an imagination because there <laughs> it is so painful to and especially this like well i went through it so you should too like do you understand how much suffering like what right. if like just what? i mean <laughs> it should be getting easier if we don't want it to get easier for generations then what the fuck are we doing that's why i yeah. even get frustrated when folks complain about young people now they life's supposed to be like this it's supposed mm -hmm. to be easier. And here's the thing. So I'm I'm speaking I'm speaking at a crisis and and like a uh, suicide conference um mm. in a couple of days. Mm. And when you look at the numbers and you look at the things that we're doing like nothing like we're not doing what works and people are works. dying in droves. In droves. And then you still have people out here billionaire people. I don't even remember this dude's name being like unemployment needs to get to 40 and 50 percent we need more pain so that people don't get <laughs> like because people are thinking that their jobs are lucky to have them and we need to fix that and it's like 
stop what? being part of these systems yeah. that want nothing but death that's it and like what's wild is you have people who for some reason they have this false belief that like if they can get proximate or get close to those power structures that allow them to play their game nah bro like you're being played so like even the social workers that you mentioned who were um, attempting to tank the movement thinking all right well if I stand on this side and say we go against this bill then oh yeah they're gonna like me and give me the things that I need nah they just used you yeah just used you and that's the thing is it it so later in this process, we ended up finding out that there was some really sketchy stuff going on where the ASWBs um, hired lobbyist. So they do have a lobbyist. Was, I, they, do they have like a policy arm inside of, do you know? I don't know. Oh, you know. oh yes. That's ASWB I has a policy arm and they have a multi-million dollar defense fund for the test. Yeah, I figured they had but. To. Not only, but like the lobbyist wasn't just representing them. There mm -hmm. was this little shady, quirky thing where they were, they had gotten together this opposition. Yeah. In part and like helped to embolden the opposition. And so the lobbyist accidentally, like there was this slip up where the lobbyist like cued in that they were um, kind of dual wielding and representing people they shouldn't have been. Yeah. And that's because, again, like, again, this the these people who you know did these hate campaigns full of transphobia and mm. massage noir and anti-blackness are the same people who everybody's like, well, just wait for the revision, wait for the revision. Yeah. These are the people revise quote unquote yes. who are supposed to be revising the test. These are the people that yes. ASWB is working with. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Because these are these are people who you mentioned their name in the right in the right like kind of activist circles and things and people are like, "Oh yeah, that's why we don't talk to them anymore." Mm. And it's just, it's a there's a whole missing stare phenomenon happening in social work too. And I it's really tragic because at the end of the day some of the people doing the best social work will never have a license. No, they won't. And it's always been that way. Yeah. And licensure, the, the United States licensure model is based off of uh, a man who is responsible for the decay of black, the destruction and decay of black doctor schools. Mm uh abraham flexner who believed that black people should not be uh doctors they should be sanitarians their <laughs> primary their primary concern should be protecting white people from disease <laughs> and non-white people that's what the man who built our entire model of licensure thought and we wonder why it's why it's so just so just shitty. It's just shitty, right? And like <laughs> some, of the, some of the best social workers will never have a degree, will never nope. have a license, have never had a degree, and have never have a license. And like those are the ones that I continuously think about when um, I really try to make sure I take up so much space in this field 
because I will, no one will ever be able to convince me that this field was not created, formed by people who look just like you and me, who show up in this world just like you and me. Um, this is our field. We've always belonged. That other bullshit was introduced and made us believe that we don't belong and kept it from us. Mm -hmm. It kept it from us. Um, and so I will share that the work that y'all are doing in Illinois has been incredibly inspirational. Because out here in Virginia, we began our steps in organizing, starting to meet with legislators, getting one pagers together, really trying to look at models that y'all have. There was some other stuff like in Utah, there was something in DC, something in Maryland and somewhere else um, to really mm -hmm. offer like a comparison as we're meeting with people. And so the work is seen, the work is appreciated. But however, like you're more valuable than the work that you do in this way which is why I also want to talk about like the gaming shit, the Janelle yes. Monet shit, like <laughs> things that, right? Like they just brought that giggle. I love a black giggle so much that like brought that giggle and that laugh to your face. Yeah. Um. So we'll, we'll slowly segue fully into the debauchery and we'll start, we'll start, <laughs> we'll, we'll start with the We'll start with the work that's not as as worky, which um, is I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Black Liberation Play Day, because um, it's that? so Black Liberation Play Day is a monthly intergenerational day of play that I started here in Chicago. It's mm. it's is rough going so far. I'm trying to get the word out more, mm -hmm. um, but essentially every month is a different theme and different games. Um, okay. and part of it, once we figure it out is also like all of the materials and games are, um, we're hoping to, um, get things together and figure out who can staff it, but having a lending library so that mm. the community can re retain access to these things. Cause I, play. I, yeah. I don't want, I don't want all this stuff to just be sitting in my house yeah. in boxes um, or, you know, sitting in the location in boxes. And so um, like September is cooperative games. And so we have a bunch of games from Tessa Collective, like um, Space Cats Fight Fascism and um, <laughs> Coopoly and Community Garden. And so like some are cozy, some are a little yeah. more heady and stuff so that people of all ages last uh so august we did um historically black games and so we had card games like spades but also we had um both two and four player mancala boards um out to play with and then the first one we did was just outdoor games and we i had a bunch of like super soakers and stuff because super yeah. soaker was was uh, invented man. and created yep. by a black man yep, yep yep um and so um october is uh it's always the last saturday with the exception of november because thanksgiving the holidays and all um, <laughs> yeah but october is going to be our monster mash halloween party and got some like monster themed uh there's a uh on and so the vast majority of the games are either so like tessa collective is a gaming um like game development nonprofit kind of okay. model um which is really cool and so their games are september but pretty much all most all the other games are black developers as well as on mm -hmm. theme mm -hmm. right and so like mondrosity is uh, created by a black game dev. 
um, Dead Apocalypse as well, uh, which is the other game for October. And then wow. I also have like art supplies to decorate uh, pumpkins and masks. Um, and we have free food. And so like that's that's me trying to do more of it. And no trying, you're doing it. You're doing it's, it. Well, well, <laughs> attendance is not where it. I would like it. It's hard to get know. people to come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the but, spaces are being created. I love that. Black Liberation Play Day, right? That's what you said? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so I do I do stuff like that to try and get us back to being able to play and imagine yeah. so that we can yeah. imagine better. Better, absolutely. Um, and and so um I also am contracted with a um it's predominantly white nonprofit non uh take this, but they let me do all kinds of cool uh dope black shit. So hey. I'll uh, is listen finding the real ones finding the actual accomplices they exist. in a non-profit setting is slim to none <laughs> slim to none and when you do it it's great yes. so i did a um i did a panel series um for them uh called the identity and gaming mental health panel series that you can oh, find mm. on the take this youtube where i basically because so you know how when you get invited on a panel it's always like three white people and then you got a token and then you got the moderator who don't know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you're, and then folks would be like, I want to, I want to be a moderator, but I don't know how. So the premise of this is we're going to be able to talk about the heterogeneity of the in-group. So mm. each identity is only going to be that identity. The moderator is going to be of that identity. And if the moderator has never moderated before, then they came I have the conversation. I have designed a uh, pretty simple, easy to use curriculum and safety tools. And I did sessions with every moderator mm. to train them. Go off. And so that people could get that experience, so more people can do it, giving people who never get to speak and topics that never get to speak, you know, like being able to talk about the difference between like USian Black and like Caribbean Black and is something we don't get to do a lot on, on like a main yeah. stage. Yeah. And so we did that um, and we did it for um, Black folks, Latina folks, uh, East Asian folks, South Asian folks, and trans folks. And I'm not sure if the indigenous panel is going to get a redo. There mm -hmm. were some issues um, with that. So that recording doesn't exist. Mm. Um, but we did we did it for that group. And unfortunately, um, I'm not sure how that'll work. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's it's not available. And I we were going to try and do a redo. But I think the coordinate the um, folks that we were going to do that with are not available so uh, but the ones we did um like there were some mistakes along the way and you know some issues like i mentioned but we learned from them and i definitely like locked it in uh, originally it was like oh yeah you like if you need the training i'll do it and then it was like no no no, no we're meeting we, like, we have for to sure meet. need to do it <laughs> and yeah um uh, but it was and, and so like, I do stuff like that too. 
And then I do stuff like uh, Into the Motherlands is a uh, both a Twitch uh, actual play show. And now Twitch a, is uh, the live streaming thing, right? Yeah. Because look, I've been trying to learn about this stuff because I had a young <laughs> person tell me like they didn't want to get no job job. They just wanted to be a Twitch streamer. Yeah. And make a living. And I had to talk to their guardian and be like, hey, from what I figured out, like they make they can make money, money. Like if we could find a way. They can. It's really hard. <laughs> hard. And and you have to honestly, it's more work than a standard job. But see, I think uh, they gotta figure for... that out for themselves. Cause they'd be watching mm -hmm. that one young man who'd be in his basement with the rappers or whatever, who had the yeah. little riot in New York and they all think they could be him. Yeah. And it's it's, uh, I'm not going to shit on anyone's dream, but I think a lot of people, <laughs> I think a lot of people. You can come, shit on them because I tell them they can't you, be rappers all the time. So look. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? You can in, in that rapping is an activity you can engage in. It is an activity. And lots of people do. The people who make millions Career. of dollars, like what you're thinking of are very small yes. and same thing with streaming right like i could stream but i have a lot of friends who are streamers and i know better and i just show up on their channels <laughs> that i don't have to produce because you have to learn like 250 different skills in order to do good production like what they are seeing right and so that's, the if, that's what they don't talk about yeah, well, because you need to know how to run OBS. You need to make overlays. I feel like you you're cussing at me. Do... I don't even know what none of that is. <laughs> I feel like you're cussing. <laughs> there's a, so there's a lot to it, right? But like I do go on and I run games on stream. You can find games that I've run on YouTube and, and stuff. And so I do that stuff a lot of times it. for charity because my belief. Wait, is... like a game of thon? What do you mean? Like, um, so I play a lot of tabletop rpgs you can f i'm trying to think if any of the vods of me playing there might be some game some some um like youtube videos and things mm -hmm. of me playing um like dead by daylight or like video games with people mm -hmm. but a lot of times what i do is i run or play in um tabletop role-playing games ttrpgs <laughs> and so this is why i'm on this like imagination and like play for liberation kick yeah. is because like when you imagine entire worlds for fun it's a lot easier to imagine a With new this, world yes. here. Yes, yes, yes. And so oh, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's what it is. And so part of like Black Liberation Play Day is like, as we go through these things, it gets a little less structured because then you start getting into like, so once the new year hits, we're, we're gonna start playing um, tabletop systems that help you create characters and worlds. So like the extent of my gaming is Sims. Is that a tabletop? Oh, what is that? No. What is so, that? so Sims is a video game and it's a simulation. Okay. Um, so tabletop role-playing games, the one everybody knows is Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. Um, other people may have heard of um, Vampire the Masquerade or um, honestly, those are, I feel like those are the ones with the most 
exposure outside of gaming spaces pathfinder maybe but See, dungeons and dragons is the one the biggest that, one that that people have heard of but that's only one kind of system and that's only one game and there are many systems and many games and so yeah. into the motherlands is its own game and its own system in its own world and I helped write yeah. some of it. And I love the idea of like just creating new worlds. Cause even when you break it down as simple and clear like that, I was like, oh, that's why playing Sims is very relaxing for me. I get to envision decorating a new house. I might forget to feed their asses, bathe them, <laughs> but baby, like then the carpet gonna be nice. We're gonna get the kitchen upgraded. I'm gonna get you some new wallpaper and buy you the expensive bed, but I may forget to come back and wash you. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love the idea of like just using game, game play, right? Whatever to mm -hmm. stimulate imagination, especially for just minoritized folk. Like I, one of the things yeah. that I'm really focused on in my own particular work is like eliminating barriers to dreaming. Because mm -hmm. when you have been doing this work for so long with certain populations, what you realize is people have actually had their ability to dream be stolen from them. Yes. Gotten how to do it. It has been stolen from them. And beaten so, out of them. Beaten out of them. Like literally, figuratively, it has been taken from them. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about like in our own work, the importance of introducing play and imagination into practice is critical at all levels, individual, family, community, policy, yep. every single level. Like if you can't introduce like imagination and dreaming back into this work, like this shit is just gonna keep getting bad. And I don't mean yeah. to like take us back down that path, but like it really had me thinking and I'm hoping folks will pick up on that is when we're talking about like play, it's not all on some like woo-woo shit. It's critical for survival. Can I, I okay, so hold on. I'm gonna stop you because there was I was on Insta and I maybe it was I think I think it was Headheart um, okay, that okay. posted this, Sarah Bueno. Yeah. Of like uh or reposted it. I can't remember who said it first, but the idea that woo-woo is just white supremacy culture detaching and degrading <laughs> and and like denying your connection mm. to the universe and your ancestors there we go i like this and so i have i have tried to stop using the, woo -woo. the term woo woo i like that because I'm, I'm real woo -woo. <laughs> woo woo too and i'm like am i being too woo woo and i'm losing people or do i have to figure out a new way to say this to bring them along with me what i'm sharing and be able to connect Right. But I do love that reframe. And thank you so much for offering it. Um, I do want to mention that I'm jealous of you because, like I said earlier, you had a chance to see Janelle Monet. I cannot get it worked into my schedule to be able to see them. And my spirit is upset. So I need to understand. How was it? It was it was spiritual yeah, just, oh, so 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 here's what we're gonna say so like i didn't actually get the pin from the governor governor's office i actually my friend dropped it off to me while i was standing in line <laughs> and so that's how it started and i got there early so i was also in the, front. In the front i was in the front um and shout out to aragon ballroom in chicago because when you're in the front it's like there's no seats the only seats are way up in the balcony and yeah. you have to have purchased different tickets for those um 
And so there are no seats. It is fully general admission. So once you're in the front, you're in there, you are there. And if you leave, you're pretty much never getting back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what I liked, and I hadn't seen this before, is they will just give you bottled water. Like the security guards had like a cooler or stacks or something of bottled water. And you could just raise your hand and they would hand you a bottle of water. Okay. Reduce liability and risk. I see y'all. Right. And I loved that. And so I don't know if that was like this concert or if that is the venue, but it's a great practice and it is a practice of community care that I vibe with heavy. Um, Because it also gets people who like bought a bunch of booze and then got stuck in the front, uh, like from getting sick hydrated and sick and all that yeah and so that was dope um but flyanna boss opened where the babies were there they were so good (laughs) they're such they are such performers Uh and they're adorable they are so cute Uh and they they brought folks up to do so they did you wish and then as like their closer but to fully like they brought up people from the audience and it was so dope because they had picked a bigger uh they i'm just gonna say they picked a fat black person who like was like really in the front and stuck and they were like like she couldn't get in Mm. right and they were like can we please help the like can we please help them get up here and it was so dope they had security guards come over and lift her over the barricade (laughs) to get her up on stage stage. and they did it and it was great so that was the opener like the dj who like was opening like when the doors open and people were filing in was like a really dope dj um and then flyanna boss performed and then janelle Oh, immaculate. So I've seen Janelle before. Mm-hmm. I've seen Janelle Monet before for the Dirty Computer Tour. Okay, okay. Uh, pre-pandemic. And that was in a theater that had like actual seats and stuff. And I was not horribly far, but far enough back. Yeah. But it was still good. This was a whole stage show. There was like, so I swear there had to have been like at least like, 10 11 costume changes and giving them the beyonce treatment like all the lighting the stage was just this beautiful like there were flowers and everything but there was a screen behind it and so there was both like storytelling on the screen but also like filtered projections of the performance when the performance was happening and it was just beautiful like just the the queer black life energy and love of both the crowd and janelle monet and their their band and and dancers and everything was beautiful they pulled some people up to to dance um as well and that was beautiful moment and it's just um so janelle did stuff from her entire oh, the catalog for 
Yeah. So like the show was, it's the age of pleasure mm -hmm. and the show has different chapters. And then, um, and so like they played like the whole album, but they also had um stuff from dirty computer electric lady like the um i think the show ended on tightrope um like it was a whole it, it was a production. whole thing through the ages it sounds like a production and it felt like production. it it was a huge production it was beautiful and like I felt it was on a Thursday night and I start seeing clients at 8 a.m. on Fridays. <laughs> when I tell you it was worth it and I was, luckily I only have a few people on Fridays. And so by the time I was crashing, I was done. But like, I felt so calm and light and loved after that concert. It was beautiful to just vibe. And like I had, you know, I wore a see-through body suit, uh, spiderweb bodysuit with uh, um, butter rainbow butterfly pasties. Yes. Um, and uh, super short cut off jean yes! shorts with, and then the uh, floral fishnet tights and my combat boots. Yeah, oh, and, I, love, um, I love a good combat I, boot with all of that. <laughs> yes, and I looked, I looked, so, I looked so good that the official photographer got a picture of me in line. <laughs> Listen, look, because look, that has been but one I love albums, it. One of my favorite albums the entire summer. Like I've been wearing the Age of Pleasure out. Now they, mm -hmm. they took me for a doozy because I'm a little, I'm not ignorant, but I just be like, I get it from my mom. I'm like, oh, I like this beat. And don't be listening to none of the goddamn words. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like they had me twisted. Listen, I had to go back and be like, now what is Shadell talking about? And then like once I, I was like, okay, go off, boo. And then like, um, <laughs> they had me twisted up with uh, only eyes. For two, 42, whatever. <gasps> Only eyes for two. Yes. Non-monogamy and for baby. Oh, wordplay. Um, so, you know, I really wanted to find a way just to see that album come to life, but not just the album, but like even what you mentioned, just community that's created with artists like Janelle Monet, right? Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine the energy and all of the spaces where that show was gonna go. And um what I think that that music, this is the healing properties of being amongst your people. I'm just to put it like that, of like what that could really do for folk. And so I'm grateful that you got a chance to experience that, even though I am jealous. <laughs> I am jealous, but that is okay. Um, Cassie, I wanna I wanna leave us with this last question because you kind of already talked about a little bit like the hood rest shit you already get down with where I really want us to end our conversation is like when you look back on your legacy and time in the field of social work, because I'm imagining, let me know if I got this shit wrong, like you're not doing this forever, <laughs> right? Like, but when you really think of, and the reason I'm asking this question is because I want people to continue to remember and believe you do not have to do this forever. And if you're gonna be honest with yourself, you cannot do this forever at the level that many of us are practicing. It is not sustainable. Come on, fan clack. 
Well, I'm, now I'm not sitting right over there. I can't even get to it. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot do this. And so that is why I ask folks, when you think about your, your time in this work, what is the legacy and impact you're trying to leave behind? If when people see my name, they say, that bitch fucked shit up, I will be happy. I need my fan. Clack. <laughs> Hold on. Clack. Clack. Period. Yes. Like, I honestly, at this point, so, okay. Well, it won't be a spoiler because this is not coming out till after this, this conference. So. <laughs> Part of what I talk about in this conference, and this is going to get a little dark, so trigger warning for mention of suicide and suicidality here. Okay. So after the bill passed, we were at dinner, those of us who were in the core group fighting for it. So state senator, state rep, um, NASW uh, lobbyists, and um, some, some staffers. Um, some of my other colleagues couldn't come. It was like on a weeknight, whatever. Um, and the state senator uh, was like talking about how she she confided in me that uh, I am what kept the bill alive because she was terrified me to she was too scared to let the bill die because she was too afraid to tell me my bill was dead, mm. and so she kept pushing. Um, and mm. she was like, "What?" what keeps you going like how do you how do you remain so passionate how do you do what you do and i told her well you know at some point i stopped trying to kill myself and i decided that i was going to make the world something worth living in and if i had mm. to be here it was going to be everyone's problem mm. um because i was sick as a kid nothing killed me i had encephalitis and meningitis at the same time mm. I have been attacked. I have, you know, tried to harm myself and um, had other people try to harm me and I'm still here. You're so right it's here. just gonna be everybody's problem. Mm. And so, you know, I want, I want the right people to look and say, if they can do it, I can too, let's fuck shit up. Yeah. And I want, the wrong people to be afraid i want them to look at me and be like that's a demon ah fuck with them if you want to <laughs> <laughs> find out baby oh my trust goodness. me i do <laughs> there are kinds of play that i do that we can't talk about here <laughs> I love that legacy. I love that legacy. And I'm like, I'm staying on the right side. I ain't <laughs> um, but truly and 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 deeply and with um so much sincerity, you are you are a beautiful human. That's a beautiful <laughs> person. You. Yeah, and I am grateful to know you. And I'm grateful that you have allowed me to get to know you in different ways. And um anybody who finds this episode. Yeah. I mean, I want to get to know you more and anybody who's cool and <laughs> wants to chat, like I may, I may take time to get to respond because human yeah, shit. let's, I, I'm human and I take breaks yeah. um, and it's getting towards the end of the year and I'm tired. And um, the sun getting ready to do that thing when that, when that shit flip. 
So you really won't, you know. Yeah. They like savings about to get dark at five o'clock. Listen, it's about to be. It's already happening here. I'm in Chicago. Like it's it's seven and it's dark. It's dark, dark. Oh, um, but Cassie, how yeah. do the folks find you? Um, so you can find me. My website is i-cch.com. Um, you can find me. You can mm -hmm. you can still kind of find well, you can still find me on Twitter, but he, that man, that man's gonna kill it. that. <laughs> but I'm on I'm on Blue Sky, I'm on LinkedIn. Like if you like find find the black queer with rainbow hair it's me <laughs> <laughs> well listen thank you for all that you are and just not what you do you are truly truly appreciated thank you so much cassie thank you you are also appreciated because you're one of the people i found on social media that made me feel like it was worth continuing doing what I was doing, regardless <laughs> of how much pushback and hate I was getting. So, yeah. Thank you. We did this together, <laughs> shit. But, you know, I'm like you. Fuck around and find out. Keep messing with me, right? Like, yep. I'm just like you. And so thank you so much, truly. <laughs> I told y'all that was a good one. I certainly hope you were able to pick up some gem from that conversation because I don't know what else I can possibly offer. And so thank y'all for tuning in. Thank you once again for sticking beside me. And as always, please remember to take care of your heart so that we can take care of each other because y'all, we are all that we got. And I will catch y'all next time. Be well.